The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there, don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80. It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the planet Earth, we are Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Ah, good morning. Hello. How you doing? And good morning. <laughs> Happy Friday. You know, I forgot it was Friday. I know. This week has just flown by. I, I knew it at the beginning of the show, and the last couple of hours it just was lost on me. I mean, the days are just blending together right now. I probably will get the last of my lawn work done for the year because, uh, well, next week we'll, you know, Starting, you know, next next week, not this weekend, next weekend, we'll be out of here. But uh, we've got a real big cold front coming oh in. Oh, my gosh. Well, the, the whole nation does uh, have a cold front. But uh, we're going to hit right now. Uh, it, could, it could be, what, 16, 17 degrees? Yeah, um, one night. Yeah. One uh, one night. So um, that's uh, Thursday night into Friday morning next week. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, basically this time next week. Yeah, that's the – that's the. Uh, in fact, well, right now because uh, – um, I'll be on my way a week from now. I'll be on my way to the – I will have just gotten to the airport. So the coldest mm-hmm. will be when I'm driving to the airport to catch an early morning flight to go see Dad. It's only going to get – in fact, uh, if looking at the, the forecast now, if it holds, it's only going to get uh, slightly above freezing uh, after after Thursday morning, basically, in our area, according to the current forecast. It will only get slightly above freezing – a couple of times before Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I know. People in North Dakota are laughing at us. Yes, we you know. You guys are we know. wimps. We're wimps? Yeah. You, you deal with our 110 degrees. <laughs> yeah, come down here in August. Let's, we'll, let's, meet you, we'll meet you in late August in Lubbock. <laughs> let's argue about weather. Yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah. Let's get into debate about weather. Right. I'm tougher than you are. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's it, it's one of those things. And and the, the older I get, I I, I kind of joked in the pre-show meeting because uh, it's cooled down the last couple of days, and it's you know nowhere where it's even close to being uh, next week, but it's right now in the mid 30s. And um, I told you, yeah, you yeah, did. I'm I'm done with winter now. I had a couple of you know. 
couple of cool spells came through. I'm ready to get back to summer, warm weather. <laughs> We've had three or four days. Well, it's, you know, we also had a, a, a very, uh, it was a late fall, and we don't always get the the uh, fall colors where we are uh, the way we did this wow. year. And then great. it just, you know, it all just drops. <laughs> well, it, on my block, it's nothing but these 60-year-old trees. And uh, it it just, they just dropped all at once. And we had a storm come through the other day. And, of course, and it just was everywhere. And it was just a mess. And the crews were out. Uh, my neighbors all have crews. I, I'm my crew. Um, but uh, they, they all had crews doing their leaves and everything. And I was like, okay, I guess I better get out there doing some cleaning up. And then I'm going to have to, like you, get out there and clean it up probably one last time before I, I put everything away and, and mm-hmm. winterize my lawnmower. Yeah, it's time to... Uh... I don't have to cut anything. I just mulch the, you know, the right now, basically everything that's left on the grass uh, is just going to be mulched into the grass. Yeah, I have no leaves at all. Yeah, my, yeah and my, uh, so yeah. I'm 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 cool. To, now I did have leaves in my pool filter mm. that I had to clean two of the filters out the other day, but that's really that's in the backyard where there's the wind was blowing and so leaves blew in the pool and you don't even notice it because they get removed so quickly that all of a sudden you look oh look at that filter so I did, I'd look at the pool and go huh there's no leaves not realizing they're in the filters I had in the last two weeks, including the other day, day before yesterday, I have filled uh, 22 bags. Wow. And that is mulched down uh, at least all but maybe three or four of those bags were mulched down 10 to 1 by a mulcher. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I haven't had to. Thank goodness because I hate leaves. Yeah. And I really don't live in a, uh, in a especially in my backyard, because in the pool, that's what you always worry about. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I couldn't live like I, my my dad, people live down the street and they've got a pool in the backyard. Yeah. Well, I mean, they get, uh, the, the leaves can be, bef- oh, not, not even the piles. Right. It can be a foot and a half high across your lawn. Yeah. Imagine that getting into your pool. Mm-hmm. It's like, I well, number one, if I lived up north, I'd never have a. I'd never have you a pool. You just wouldn't you, be able to keep up with it. Either yeah. that or you get a cover for it or something. I don't know what Well, I, no, I wouldn't get a pool. Two, uh, two months is the max. Oh, that you could swim in. Yeah, okay, I mean, yeah. you, you, you yeah, basically yeah. open your pool right. after Memorial Day, but it's too cold unless you have a heater, and the heater is going to cost you an arm and a leg. So you end up, you end up basically from middle of June to mm-hmm. Labor Day, yeah. and then you close your pool. Right. Most people close their pool like Labor Day weekend. It's like, right. no way. I'm right. not. I'm not going through that work here. You know, the pool's open. You never close. You never close your pool. Now, mm-hmm. I am going to uh, on uh, on Tuesday. I'm going to make sure you know filter the pool really well, and then uh, put in the uh, phosphate killer, and then uh, shock on Tuesday, and right. or on Monday, and run that through Tuesday, and then I'm uh, shutting down my pool because of the right. cold weather coming in. I don't want to go through what we went through in. Uh, freeze apocalypse right uh, fe- in february 21 where it cost me four grand mm. because the grid went off and right and uh you know electricity went off and the pipes just you know just destroyed all my valves motor every it cost me four grand and 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 that's my deductible <laughs> yeah what's interesting is is that i saw uh yesterday i don't know i gotta go back and find the source because i i, I just kind of breeze by it i didn't read it just the headline from it but 
uh, it had a picture of Governor Greg Abbott of Texas and, and said uh, the grid could be strained next week because of the cold weather coming in. And and I thought to myself, yeah, okay. And that's kind of been floating out there the past week or so, depending on where the forecast was going to fall. And I had already been charging a lot of my small uh, device chargers uh, that I have and, and, and my rechargeable flashlights and everything else. So I'm kind of gearing up. I'm always gearing up for that anyway, but I'm, I'm like, all right, I better keep it charged because when you get in, when you're talking about a few days before Christmas, then you're distracted by other things. There's Mm -hmm. a lot going on. And so I'm keeping everything charged just in case. I mean, I have, um, if their natural gas is flowing, (laughs) I have, uh, and I never lost natural gas in, in, uh, February of 21. I did. You know, so I had my cooktop and I had my fireplace going and I had my water heater. So I never, ever had a, a problem. Yeah. And, uh, but, um, and that's happened a few times when we lost power during ice storms uh, in the past. Uh, we just huddle around the fireplace and, and uh, we're able to cook on the cooktop. But I will recharge. I, I keep everything charged any, anyway with um, yeah, so do I. a number of, of yeah. uh, backups. Luckily, I'll be out of town anyway. In colder weather, uh, yeah, right, but yeah, yeah. It's, uh, uh, yeah. So I've got all my pipes above ground, my pump, and everything else. It's just a, it only takes five minutes. You just drain right. it, and yeah, drain it, and everything else, and then you let it. I let it sit for about a day and a half before it freezes, just to make sure everything inside it evaporates. Mm-hmm. You know, has a chance to evaporate. So, right. yeah. And I did it twice last year and had no problem. But I don't. It's funny because I never in in. Uh, I'll be in my house 16 years in January. And so freeze apocalypse happened just 14, about 14 years Mm -hmm. after I was in my house. I never had to shut down my pool because the grid always worked. Right. And you never, so we had times when it would go below zero Mm -hmm. for, I remember one time when I first moved into my house, it was like, because my pond did freeze. It was the first time I, the, uh, the freeze apocalypse was the, uh, was the second time, but I had it freeze before. We had like three, four days in a row of 15 degrees. Now, it wasn't as it was back then where it got down to minus two, minus three degrees below zero, mm-hmm. which, you know, which froze everything very quickly, but it was still 15 degrees and the pump ran and the pool was fine and everything else as long as the water's circulating. But can't just, you know, after you spend four grand, you say, nope, takes me 10 minutes to shut it down and yep. drain everything. I'll do yeah. it. It takes me 10 minutes to put it back up again when I come back. And when, or when and and when the heat's back up again, that's fine. Yep. So yep. But that's where we are today. And when you you look at it, the um, uh, there was the the story CNBC had it that uh, America's electrical grid is being pushed to the breaking point, and California, parts of the Midwest, and parts of South Central United States are at high risk for energy shortfalls, says the for non for profit organization charged with managing and evaluating the grid, and that's the North American Electric Reliability Corporation. High-risk regions may see shortfalls at normal peak conditions. Hmm. Now, they say the reasons for the shortfalls are are vary. Well, they they really don't. No. And And they say in the Midwestern states in Ontario, more power generation is being retired than is being added back online. Hmm. Well, what's that? What does that mean? What that means is 
you, they're they're getting rid of the consistent forms of energy yes. that is dependable right. and relying on wind and solar. Right. So that's number one. And then they go then, but but they say vary, but they it doesn't vary. It's all the same reason. Right. Uh, and the CNBC wrote this in California. The risk is due to a variable resource mix and demand <laughs> variability. Uh, uh, the that means there's a lot of renewable energy in the state, and its generation is not coordinated with the times people need the most energy. They predict that demand could fall below supply for 10 hours during peak summer months in 2024. Well, that reason is they're getting rid of traditional forms of energy and right. depending too much on wind and solar. Right. And then, know, they, then they go to much of the rest of the Midwest and the rest of the western part of the United States are at an elevated risk, which means shortfalls may occur in extreme conditions, like during severe weather or hot spells where everyone is running air conditioners. In New England, the elevated risk comes... Uh, in the winter, when people are we use generators that depend on natural gas, natural gas capacity can be insufficient for generators, leaving for backup fuels. Well, why is that in New England? Because they won't drill for natural gas, and they won't allow pipelines to bring in natural gas right. from across the country. Ah, right. You got more and more yeah. jurisdictions coming out and banning the use of natural gas. And they go, uh, the Southwest could also suffer when demand is high and wind energy generation is low at the region. Well, the, the reasons don't vary. The reasons are all the exact same, CNBC. Exactly, exactly, because they're relying too heavily more and more on wind and solar. That's a very short article if you write it correctly. And then they get to it because when you get to the actual quote, a quote from the NER, or N, uh, NERC hmm. here... We live in extraordinary times uh, from an electrical industry perspective, said John Moore, the director of the reliability assessment. He said on Thursday, increasing awareness of climate change is pushing utilities to phase out fossil fuel based sources of energy that generate carbon emissions. Renewables like wind and solar don't contribute to climate change. Yes, they do. Mm -hmm. uh, But have periods when they don't generate any electricity, when the sky is dark. And the wind is still. God, we're idiots. Uh, it really is stupid. Re- renewables also don't necessarily map to where the demand is, unlike fossil fuels, which can be transported and burned near where they're consumed. That means more transmission lines are needed, and building them can take from 7 to 15 years. Wow. You know, we're, I mean, we're just idiots. No, I mean, yeah, it just, really I mean, is. Just, we, we choose this road. Yeah. I would have answered differently because we are insane. Yep. That's because we're why. stupid. Because we're stupid. Yep. Um, we're relying far too much on on unreliable sources. Maintaining the pace of our generation retirement and our resource mix change, uh, changes to ins- has to change to ensure that we have enough energy and essential services when they are absolutely necessary. <laughs> Idiots. It's no, I mean, it, just, it's I mean, I just moronic. I feel, I feel I'm an idiot for reading it. No, you do. It, it, it makes you feel dumber and dumber and dumber and dumber. As you read through it, it's it's and they they just yada, yada, yada through the whole thing. Oh, the reasons vary. Nope. It's the same reason across the board. 
That's a very short article if you write it correctly. <laughs> because we depend too much on wind and solar, which are not reliable. Yep. There's your article. You know, they also bring up, though, something that we've talked about, uh, that the um, that if you actually went, if you actually got to the the hope, which is not reality, to do of wind and solar. Hmm. We've talked about this, and I really haven't seen many other people talk about it. They do in that article. How much you have to expand the grid. Yeah. How much bigger the grid has to be. Right. Because you don't have, you know, you, have, you produce energy in a very, very small sector hmm. when you use fossil fuels. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, you have a hydroelectric plant. Right. You have a coal generation plant. You have a gas generation plant. It's all right there couple of square miles you got everything yep is is done solar you need massive massive wind farms uh that have to you know th- that have to be in a place where the sun shines right you get the most sun uh windmills can't put them everywhere yep. excuse me wind turbines mm. you have to have it where the wind blows a lot right which means a lot of them are up high on hills mm-hmm. which means they're not near communities, so you have to use a lot more transmission lines. Another thing that isn't thought about is I squared R, of course, resistance. Mm-hmm. Because every mile that electricity has to travel through a line, you lose efficiency right. because of resistance. Right. And nobody wants to talk. What you just heard here, or what you just demonstrated through that article, what our audience just heard, is. The fact that we'll just ignore it and still live and even report it in this delusional state. Exactly. Well, it, the reasons vary. <laughs> See, over here, it's because of wind and solar. But in the Midwest, it's because of wind and solar. Now, when you go to Texas, it's because of wind and solar. <laughs> Insane. Eight six six ninety red eye you may not be able to predict blizzards and ice storms, but you can prepare your truck to handle them. Make sure your truck is prepared for any last-minute winter storms by keeping tabs on your tires before each trip. Proper tire traction is essential year-round, but especially during winter when the roads are slick and roadway behavior is unpredictable. Protect your tire investment with routine checks and pre-trip inspections all winter long. Check pressure levels, tread depth, and inspect for any visible damage or debris stuck in wheel components. Look for steam or melted snow coming off wheel hubs, as this could indicate your wheel bearings are overheating. If necessary, give your tires a warm wash before inspecting them, as snow can cover potential warning signs of damage. This report brought to you by Luberfiner, engineering filters that are built to do more for heavy-duty fleets since 1996. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll-free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, if, uh, you would like to, uh, uh, chat. So, and, and after I read that, that story, then mm-hmm. that, that story about uh, California and Midwest face high risk of electricity shortages of the next five years, the warnings are all out there. Right. I mean, as we've stated before, yeah. if you've been a listener to this show, mm-hmm. we are committing energy, economic and national security suicide. Yep. 
by what we're doing with our grid and electricity and and uh, and what the the Democrats would do to fossil fuel production and natural gas production. I mean, it's slow suicide in all those three different aspects mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And the public's like, oh, we're okay with it. Yeah, that's okay. And then they don't Save have the it. Planet. Then they don't have it and they scream. Yeah. yeah. What do you, you know, what's going on? Right. And, and it's amazing because the warning's all out there. So I see that. Then the next story I pick up is California approves roadmap for carbon neutrality by 2045. Yeah. I mean, we're in, Sorry. We may be the United States of America, but we are a nation of a lot of complete and total idiots. And get a word in edgewise. Eric Harley and Gary McNamara on Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 uh, Red Eye. I'm telling you, it just keeps piling up for uh, Donald Trump. I mean, it's just, it's it's amazing. The last month, and really since Election Day, well, actually since he announced that he was running for president. Yeah. He, yesterday when it came out that he had a major announcement, I mean, on social media, the speculation was everything from he's going to announce that he's running for Speaker of the House. Yeah. You know, that, you know, that came out that mm-hmm. uh, or, or maybe he has picked. I saw this one. He's going to announce his vice presidential candidate, you know, Terry yeah. Lake. You know, that right, one. Right. You know, that one was what uh, was was out there. And and you're like, OK, what is this? You know, what in the world is he going to announce that is a huge announcement? Mm. And then it came out that he is selling $99 Trump-themed digital trading uh, trading cards that show him as an animated superhero. And you're just, what? When, you, when you're Donald Trump and you lose... Sebastian Gorka and Steve Bannon. Yeah, that's not a good day. It's not. It's not a good day. And uh, Bannon, I, I, Bannon said, "Ah, I just can't do this anymore." <laughs> and he called for those responsible for the announcement to be fired today. Yeah. Yeah. And. And so, um, and I'm thinking, well, he's in charge of his own campaign, is he not? He's well, I mean, because that's it. Uh, that's what Bannon was saying. Uh, he's one of the a quote. He's one of the greatest presidents in history. But I got to tell you, how, uh, right? Uh, whoever business partner or anybody uh, on the comms team and anybody at Mar-a-Lago, and I love the folks down there, but we're at war. They ought to be fired today. Well, I mean, Trump has to sign off on that. He has to. And because if you're talking about NFTs, everybody's in the NFT game and it's all right, fine. Um, that's not a major announcement. If somebody from the campaign wanted to come out and say, hey, 
Uh, we've just unveiled these NFTs. It's going to be part of the fundraising for the campaign. And it's a fun way to uh, donate to the campaign. That's one thing. But when you, when the candidate himself comes out and says, major announcement, and it's this, that's not a major announcement. No, it's not. I mean, it showed, it, it, to me, it showed a lack of seriousness. Now, a lot of loyal Trump supporters that have backed him for a while hmm. were upset because later on in the day on Truth Social, he put together a, a video where he talked about what he would do as president in 2024 when it comes to free speech issues that mm-hmm. the liberals were trying to kill. Mm-hmm. And that got no publicity. Right. Zero. Right. Got nothing. Right. Why? Because everybody and and what I saw, the biggest problem is you had longtime supporters of Trump until recently that weren't disagreeing with him because one of the photos was out of what you know of what the digit you know what it would look like the digital trading card. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just massive mocking. Yeah, you have not had mocking of Donald Trump by the right until yesterday. You had disagreements, but right. you didn't have this kind of mocking that became uh, viral. Right. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I when I when I saw this, I went, nobody's in, you know. The funny thing is, you know, Bannon saying whoever's in charge, this to me looks like nobody's in charge. Well, that's, that is a great point because it didn't come off as serious. It didn't come off as a major announcement because no. it would have been different if it were, again, somebody from the campaign. Hey, we have something new we're going to unveil and we'll, you know, be here tomorrow. And here's the announcement the next day. And this is for 99 bucks. You can get this NFT. And you're helping to support the uh, Trump campaign through funding, blah, blah, blah. But you, when the candidate says it's a major announcement, and that's the announcement, then it, it, it sounds like you're not serious. I mean, the Babylon B, Trump announces a new line of collectible POGs. POGs stand for Passion Orange Guava, and there's all these little mm. buttons that that show Trump golfing, mm. you know, shows him with X-ray vision, mm. uh, shows Adam Schiff with his neck is a huge pencil, and it says little pencil neck. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. <laughs> Every POG goes, Trump said, he goes, POG stands for passion orange guava, not many... Uh, people know that, but I do because I'm a POG king, said Trump. On True Social, every POG features a picture of me drawn by the best artists. We have the best people working on them. Look at this detail. Mm. It's stylish like you wouldn't believe. Believe me, so handsome. Mm-hmm. But that's the kind of mocking right. that you – I mean, that the, the, the reality is – the reason I read that is because the Babylon Bee is doing the – because the mock, you could see the mocking by Republicans – and it became acceptable because everything that's happened over the last month and then this, this became the final straw for a lot of people. Like I said, when you lose Steve Bannon and Sebastian Gorka, 
and you're, you're Donald Trump and you lose them, who's supporting you at this point? Well, and, that, and, and, right. their, and their whole their whole point is their whole point is you're not because this is this is what I got out of it. They need to fire whoever did this because these people shouldn't be. Well, you're saying he's not in charge, that he's being led to do these stupid things by other people this far into his political career. Right. And and so but you could see the frustration that they had, like, as he said, he goes, I can't do this. Yeah, I can't do this. I just can't do this anymore. Right. And and that that was from Steve Bannon. I just can't do this anymore. Right. It's not Bill Crystal. No, <laughs> it's Steve Bannon. Steve Bannon, yeah. And you know the because then it gets back to I think ultimately at least people asking is he really serious about running? That's what I got out of it the most. I said there's a huge lack of seriousness here, and and when you look at. And, and here's what I was thinking, that he heard uh, what I thought was he heard the criticism that there's been no campaigning, zero campaigning. And so he's really not running. He just did that in order to avoid an indictment. And and so when he announced, I said, oh, OK, he's going to come out with something really, really strong today right. to dispel that. That's what I figured would happen, because that would be the next logical thing. Right. 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 Here is um, here is the announcement of where we're going to have rallies and also uh, this person has been added to the campaign or Carrie Lake is now, you know, right. Uh, I, yes. Whatever right. it's going to be, but, but a major step toward the goal of winning. That's what this is all about. And, and, and that's the question mm-hmm. again, that comes up when you see something like this, it is, well, wait a minute. Did, is he really serious? Is he, does he really want to run? Because that question already existed. It was about, when he announced it, it was, all right, um, he was going to announce it a week after the election. And the night before the election, he announced that he's making the major announcement. And so many believed that there was going to be a red wave, but at the very least that that uh, Republicans could win the Senate and would have a big, big win in the House. Well, they did win the House. It wasn't pretty. It's kind of like the Bills and the Cowboys this past weekend. <laughs> they won, but it wasn't pretty. And they didn't win the Senate. In fact, the Democrats gained a seat. And so did he believe that at that time, when he, when he said, we're going to announce next week, uh, that there was going to be momentum that he was going to ride, and also he would get ahead at the same time, he would get ahead of the DOJ uh, move on any indictment. That's the question people are asking. And when that momentum wasn't there to ride, he still made the announcement, okay, was this about the DOJ? It Does he really want... Because typically, especially from him, you would expect a series of campaign stops and rallies all over the country. And, and and even, you know, I, I know that his lawyer supporters were saying, and, and it took away the announcement of what do you do about free speech, which was a video on True Social, mm. which was not as big a news as they were trying. I mean, I understand what they were trying to do. Right. They're trying to point, well, he was doing substance. Yeah, but it wasn't that big a substance if you're right. just talking about releasing a video on True Social. It's not a right. campaign stop. It's not a rally speech. Right. It's not something that, you know, draws that energy and, and excitement. But to me, the observation I got the most was the mocking that I have not seen before. I know one of the things that I saw, which which was like, it's, it's like, 
can't believe he did, you know, because it started out serious. It's like, I can't believe he did this. I mean, this shows a lack of any type of political judgment from somebody who won in 2015 because he had great political instincts. Mm-hmm. I mean, what's or he going to do? What did I say? 2015. Well, I meant 2015, right, 2016. Right. I mean, mm-hmm. the, I'm, I mean, the campaign mm-hmm. uh, of it. He goes, you know, I mean, what's he going to do next? Sit down with the Nazi for lunch? Then there's like a space that goes, oh, he already did that. Mm. <laughs> right. And, and, but I mean, but that was the kind of, that's the kind of mocking that you saw from former supporters of the, the, the president. Which and is what that's led what, Steve that's Bannon to, to say, I can't do this. Yeah, exactly. He saw it. Every, everybody saw it. Even his, his most diehard supporters to the end saw it. And I said, we can't do this. Just can't. Yeah. Yeah, and, long and before that, you bring voters together to support you, you've got to bring your most loyal inner circle together. And that seems to be headed in the opposite direction. Yeah, it was a you think about it, he's had so many bad days and then this hits yesterday and like, oh my it's like and that was com- completely on him. Yeah. No, it was. I mean, there's nobody in the, that that's you know, you sit there and you say, no, because that's calculated. You know, somebody might say, well, you know, he was really trying to help Kanye West. And mm-hmm. he didn't know that the other people were there and didn't know who they were. This, you, there's nothing. You can't look at this right. and say, well, you know, I, I know uh, when when you have Bannon trying to say, well, he needs to fire everybody involved in this. I went, well, he's responsible for his own campaign. Yeah, that's Bannon like stopping short of criticizing him directly. Right. 866-90-RED-EYE. We'll be right back with more Red Eye Radio with Eric Harley and Gary McNamara. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red Eye. You know, I see where this is going, you know, the, the whole thing of uh, Elon Musk. Uh, suspending uh, 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 liberal activist reporters Mm. for what he said was doxing him. Uh, And the left went crazy. Did you read the headline in Drudge? Mm. Off with their tweets. Manic Musk purges reporters. CNN, New York Times, Washington Post out. Is he tripping on drugs? Blame the Ambien. And they go back to a 20 reference, a 2018 article that was, uh, I believe, written, it was 2018, in the New York Times about how he says he occasionally takes Ambien to sleep. Is Drudge, is he just full-on Bill Crystal now? Yeah. But uh, you see where it's going. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the personal attack that right. that something that, that he is doing that on the surface, from what we know, and again, I don't know what the screenshots are of the tweets, we do know what happened with his son, because of the the the, the doxing mm. and that you know, his two year old uh, son and the activist that uh, apparently accosted the car, <laughs> yeah, Look, that, we that, all... that he was in. But this is a whole thing saying, okay, let's call him a drug addict. Yeah, right. That's crazy. And he's got the big picture of him with his wide eyes, you know, yep. of Elon Musk with his wide eyes and and the whole thing on the uh, above the uh, those headlines you just read and and you know. Again, if you're an adult, you understand uh, what doxing is. You understand why it's dangerous. You understand why he did it. Now, if it turns out that that uh, and and we see what what was posted and everything that was posted, 
and it didn't rise to doxing people believe or whatever, then the, the court of public opinion will right. will judge that accordingly. Well, he should be criticized. And, for, yeah, yep, and, for, and he'll get his. Right. But this whole, you know, over-the-top drama, is there not an awards show that, that Matt Drudge can focus on right now or something? Is, <laughs> no, I don't think there's no Hollywood. There's I don't think there's no any Hollywood, Hollywood awards till till we get to near spring. Okay. So. All right. I it's just, you know, it's just silly. Yeah. Is he on drugs? Is he tripping on drugs? As if what he did is so yeah. incredibly outrageous. Right. Right. It's a 7-day suspension. Yeah. Grow up. You know, and but that's that's who Matt Drudge and has become, mm-hmm. and many of the liberal media are. I'm, I'm guessing, happy about that. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Now, it's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across the USA and around the world, we're Red Eye Radio. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and you can listen to our show if you can't listen live overnight whenever you choose all right here we go mm-hmm. all right i'm at the website let me look at the dow futures Ugh. down 310 yeah so not going to be a a a good day it was interesting because you know the when the um, inflation numbers came out mm. just a couple of days ago the administration, Janet Yellen, talking about all the good news there and the relief that Americans are feeling and that their economic plan is working as they expected. And we're just like, mm, we have no idea what they're talking about. Uh, because when you actually look at where inflation is right now, it's still very, very bad. And we said the biggest problem politically for the president in doing this is the great disconnect hmm. by saying that the people, there's relief going to people. There's not relief. No. Maybe on gas prices, but everything else, not even close. And when you go through the actual products that, and that people buy that they need the necessities it's actually gone up a lot more than the general inflation number and so that's a a huge problem and then we said also where's the economy right now and even when the president made his comments the other day uh on inflation we already knew uh at that point that housing is in a recession and we knew at that point that exports were down uh, in November, right. and so knowing that we and knowing the fact that the the uh, cause of the GDP taking us at least temporarily out of the recession that we were in the first half of the year in the third quarter that was due to exports. Well, exports are down. Right. Exports are down. Housing uh, uh, sector is in a recession, and then yesterday we have the retail sales numbers. And the manufacturing numbers come out. And November retail sales fell 0.6% from the prior month. 
It was the biggest decline this year. And normally in November, it's going to go up because people start the Christmas shopping. Right. And so it actually naturally goes up mm-hmm. from October. For it to go down is, whoa. Uh, apparently shoppers pulled back sharply on holiday-related purchases, home projects, and automobiles. Then on top of that, manufacturing output declined 0.6%, the first drop since June. Well, okay, so it went up from June to July. Well, in June, as we know, uh, that was the end of the recession. Right. Uh, that would have been the for the recession that was in the first two quarters of the uh, of the year. So that's not good. Manufacturing down, retail sales down, housing is in a housing market is in a, uh, a recession, and exports are down. No, all that spells very bad things oh. for the economy. And we know that the majority of the job creation, the mm. vast majority, is part-time jobs, is second jobs that people are getting, that actually full-time jobs are down in this country from six months ago. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, one of the things we always watch is trucking and what's going on with trucking, and it's a leading economic indicator and the trucking industry right now is just in a funk. And if you talk about exports being down, well, uh, a number of things that, that and manufacturing being down, uh, trucking relies on both exports and manufacturing uh, to get things done. Uh, and then you add in if there is a decline in, in re- retail activity and there's going to be uh, less of a demand to get those uh, stores restocked and the question would be uh, then are we looking at because if we're talking about fourth quarter christmas time shopping and seeing a decline in november then what does january look like because we could throw in the possibility that okay they we people uh hit the brakes and didn't do the black friday thing and the cyber monday thing and they're going to wait for the last minute deals in December, right? That or they're saving, um, and they're not going to be able to really get out and shop until later in December. Okay, so we'll just throw that possibility out, and maybe December picks up, but January doesn't. There's and really there's no way around that. Uh, so if November is bad, and your and and Black Friday, Cyber Monday didn't really do uh, for retail sales what it should be doing, then what does January look like? What does the first quarter of 23 look like? And it, I remember in 2009, March 2009 is when we were, uh, the market was hitting bottom on the recession. And then we just kind of trolled along the bottom for a while. But I remember where I was. I was in a business uh, setting at a massive trade show, and there were people on the fly calling and canceling, saying they weren't going to come to the trade show, even though they paid for booth space. They weren't going to they, – they canceled their airfare. They canceled their hotel. They weren't going to spend the money on getting and staying there. And it was one of the most eye-opening things, uh, anecdotal moments where I've seen it kind of playing out in real time. And I didn't know at that time we were basically at the bottom 
in the market, and and that's the the recession of two thousand nine that that mm-hmm. again went on for a yeah. while, and 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 we just kind of trolled along the bottom with very little growth uh, for a while. Well, the, the the question here, we didn't have that kind of massive inflation then. When things, when prices are high and you're hitting into a recession, we talked about this. Recession hits everybody, or, or or inflation rather hits everybody, and so you throw into it recession where people are then unemployed, and it becomes one of those um, very scary scenarios. Uh, Larry Kudlow saying that he believes this is going to be uh, that a recession is coming, and he thinks it's going to be very very bad. I don't know. Larry Summers, too, saying that. Yeah, we'll, and, we'll get to that quote. Right. Up. And I don't, I really don't know if that is the case. I can't tell you that. Um, but I can tell you that if retail numbers aren't there in November and they don't make it up in, in December, then you've got a situation where uh, the first part of 2023 is not going to be good at all. Uh, the drop in November manufacturing output includes a decline in consumer goods and business uh, equipment products, contributing to a 0.2% drop in overall industrial production. Uh, the Fed said industrial production also measures utilities and mining output. The November decline in retail sales, which includes spending in stores, online, and at restaurants, marked an abrupt shift in spending, at least for goods. Shoppers spent less in November on holiday categories, including electronics, clothing, and sporting goods. Spending on automobiles and furniture also fell sharply, though gasoline sales fell slightly. The pullback occurred online and at department stores in a month that encompasses Thanksgiving and Black Friday and Cyber Monday promotions. Now, consumers, though, spent more on everyday items such as food and healthcare products. They also increased spending on restaurant meals in a sign that demand for services remains strong despite rising prices. Unlike many government reports, though, retail sales are not adjusted for inflation. Right. Hmm. And can reflect price differences in addition to purchase totals. So if you're not adjusted for inflation, let me get this right now. If you're not adjusted for inflation, if you show an increase in an increase could be responsible because of inflation, not because you're buying more. Right. Right. Just make sure I got that right. If it's not adjusted, then you're basically uh, showing... To raw numbers. It it could be fewer purchased items, but more money spent based on that inflation. So that's a problem. But that's actually what's you know, going on, that's actually the case for most people. That's what happens with inflation. You have uh, your daughter, your dollar buys fewer items and your daughter buys fewer items. (laughs) (laughs) I know my daughters are buying fewer (laughs) items for sure uh, because your dollar's not going as far. And, and, you know, that's the simple equation. Look, is it possible that December picks up on on retail for Christmas shopping? It, could. Uh, it is. That has happened. Uh, where be. because it is not the same. The Black Friday thing, I think, is honestly not even close to what it was 
10 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, even a few years ago. But I, I, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things that's, okay, I know they're going to extend this. I know they're going to have more sales and or I don't have that that money right now set aside for Christmas just yet. I won't be able to do that until after the 1st or 15th. I mean, growing up, um, my dad, uh, you know, got paid on the 1st and 15th in, in the military and they did their shopping on the 15th. Well, when you see and this is the, this would be interesting to find out. I've, so I'm asking this in the form of a question and not a statement. Uh, do companies see, uh, for example, a retailer see that that you have a huge number of people in this country living or living paycheck to paycheck? That's sixty three percent. Yeah, yeah. That number, which is a huge number, living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Do they sit there and say we need to extend extend sales? Because people are living paycheck to paycheck, and they may not be able to get it this week. Yes, but next week they can. I, I think that's a very and, sound theory, and and I'm also noticing, and, and I saw an article on this a few weeks ago, but I'm actually noticing it on a uh, on an anecdotal basis. Uh, I, I noticed the other day where some of the store brands have come back down on a number of items where they had really spiked the store brand items. Uh, Walmart specifically. I was in the other day, and there were a couple of things that I was buying, and I was like, "Wow, it came! The price came back down because I remember shopping for those items before, and again, their store brand had spiked, and now it's back down. I don't know if they're doing loss leaders, um, if they're if you know if there was another way to get competitive and more efficient in their pricing. Uh, I don't know, but there was a, a story about this saying that they were that the discount retailers. We're looking to be more competitive, but also they were having issues with storage. You know, they don't store anything. So uh, they can't, if there's, if, if, if sales slow down, especially right now with clothing, um, they've got to discount it and get it out the door like now. And so you'll see that. Um, and it's kind of like this um, uh, where there will be a ramp up of, 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 retail activity by the buyer and then slowing down when it slows down mm-hmm. then that inventory grows you've got to get rid of that inventory you've got no place to store it you're not going to ship it anywhere and so the, the i think it's i think that's a very sound theory that you bring up and they look at it and say we're going to have to make sure that we give this opportunity out there if we want to capitalize on you know a a black quarter and take advantage of you know this buying activity uh which in many cases over the years, it has been uh, some of the items are uh, emotional buys. You know, for if you have kids, well, they want this, they want that, and you get it for for them at Christmas time because it's Christmas. And the the reason I thought about it was, uh, and again, this is anecdotal evidence, and we're admitting. I mean, these are just patterns that we happen to see, which may not be reflected across the board, but I find them interesting. One was uh, some electronics that I was looking at hmm. uh, on Amazon right. that were on sale. Now, I've seen these products that and what their price have been the last five years, and their mm-hmm. price has been consistent. Right. Well, all of a sudden, these electronics that never come down in price, I've never seen them come down in price for five years, were down, and it was, okay, Black Friday only. We'll extend it to Cyber Monday because it's on Amazon. Right. So, so it stayed that entire week. And then I didn't pay attention to that. And it was like last day only, last day only, last day only, last day only. <laughs> and I went back and checked. 
same discount price now. Yeah. That that you have not seen ever, though that product that came out has never gone down in price ever hmm. since they put it on the market. Interesting. And yeah. and all of a sudden, boom, it went down. I go, well, this is interesting. That could be, they, again, that could be one of those inventory things um, because one of the things, again, getting back to, to trucking as it plays into this equation that we're talking about, uh, trucking rates have fallen again, you know, and, and it was, I don't know, about 10 days ago, uh, I was reading up on that where trucking rates were going down, capacity in trucking was growing, which means, uh, you know, they're less of a need for, for trucks, less of a demand for big rigs, which, which points to, uh, it, you know, because if there was this flurry of activity, there would be this flurry of and less capacity on trucks because you'd be restocking if you're mm-hmm. if you're a retailer, right? And that wasn't the case as of about December fifth or sixth. And if that is still the case now, you know, at the sixteenth, um, where capacity is growing or still very uh, at, at at a pretty large, you know, uh, number uh, for this time of year, it tells you. Those retailers have an inventory problem, which means they're going to discount. And that's exactly what some of them have been doing. And I wonder to what extent that's going on. 866-90-RED-EYE. A three-day rash of active weather in the south has led to more than 50 tornadoes from eastern Texas to Florida and southern Georgia, based on preliminary reports. Through Thursday, according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, most notable, a Wednesday tornado that traveled through New Orleans. One person is confirmed dead from tornadic activity in the Crescent City. Three are believed dead from tornadoes across the south this week. As for rural areas, for farm operations that have been hit by these tornadoes and high winds, there is considerable recovery and repair that will need to be done in the wake of this storm system. Tornadic events were just one aspect of an active weather pattern covering much of the nation this week. High winds were also featured in blizzard conditions stretching from the northern plains to the upper Great Lakes region. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. The USDA report is brought to you by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Highway Diesel Fuel. Coming up, more with Gary McNamara and Eric Harley. It's Red Eye Radio. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690-RED-EYE. Larry Summers, uh, the liberal Democrat Keynesian economist mm-hmm. uh, who predicted the inflation after the Democrats, well, as the Democrats were preparing to pass the $1.9 trillion uh, bill back uh, in March of 2021 and told them, don't do it. Because that's what will put inflation over the top, and that's exactly what happened. He was asked about what's going on. He goes, my guess is that the Fed will, in the end, have to suffer through a recession if we're going to bring inflation down. Perhaps that was inevitable. Probably that was inevitable given all the stimulus that was provided to the economy in 2021, given that the Fed was late, and very importantly, given all these supply shocks that the economy suffered. But whereas I thought that the Fed 
was very much in the wrong place a year ago, way behind the curve in the res- in, in the terms of responding to inflation. I think in very difficult circumstances, they are in the range of having done the right thing and pointing towards doing the right thing. I think the chairman was right in the film clip. He showed that no one can know what's going to happen going forward. My guess is that we will have a recession, that it will not necessarily be especially mild as a recession, but there is no reason to think that it will be anything like what happened after COVID or what happened after the financial crisis or what happened when Paul Volcker had to slay inflation after a much longer period of high inflation at the end of the 1970s. Mm. But as you yeah. said, <laughs> what I love about it is, it, but what but uh, what Powell said is, we really don't. You know, basically, we really don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's all up in the air. <laughs> we have we'll, no clue. We'll talk more coming up. But... Join the conversation. 1-866-90-RED-EYE. Red Eye Radio. And he's Eric Carlin. I'm Gary McNamara. 866-90-RED-EYE. You know, when we, we talk about the economic situation, you know, and we talked about the other day when the uh, uh, numbers, uh, inflation numbers came out and the administration continues to talk about what a great economy it is. And we said, well, actually it's not because we, we know the history of this kind of cycle with inflation, how it starts, where it goes, and how you get, you know, and... and and when the interest rates are raised, that you go into a recession and then you have recovery after that. So, I mean, there's sort of a formula that we've seen over the, you know, in the history, mm-hmm. in, in modern economic history about what happens here. And so none of it is a, really is, is a surprise uh, at all. The only thing is, is how bad will it get? And, you know, if you look, you know, what's the spending going to be? I mean, you look at, you look right now, you know, you have the, 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 the one thing, well, there's more than one thing, but one of the things that, that I look at, and these are just unknown variables that we haven't seen before, and the fact is you had such super low, you know, manipulated interest rates by the government over a significant period of time, which allowed the government to buy our own debt, which increased debt drastically because the interest on the debt would be down because the interest rates were so low. Yeah. And and so, uh, you know, that's gone now. I mean, that that's gone. They... We, we saw from uh, Paul yesterday where he talked about the fact that they may not start lowering interest rates till 2024. So this is a whole nother year of this. We see a Congress that really doesn't seem to wish to cut spending at all. We know that because of the interest rates out there that uh, we could be anywhere between 700 and maybe $850 billion in just interest payments on the debt alone when just a couple of years ago... It was, I, I'm somewhere between 200 and 300 billion. Mm-hmm. So you're talking about, you know, you're, you're talking about maybe 600, 700 billion dollars that cannot go to domestic programs unless they borrow more. Right. And so you're in this cycle and it doesn't seem that there is any will from, we you know, the Senate leadership on the Republican side to do anything to stop it. 
I saw the other day when I was reading, you know, what they're debating on. They're debating on $26 billion. My God, that's nothing compared to the whole budget. I mean, it's it's purely symbolism. And that's why you have a lot of Republicans that wanted to wait to do any type of budget deal till the Republicans uh, got in power. Mm -hmm. Now, how successful they would be, we don't know. And we've been through this all before. The problem with the Democrat with the Republicans when they win is uh, the fact that things are so bad. And now the interest payments are so great that even if you say, okay, we're only going to increase the budget, I don't, I'll throw this out, 5% this year, okay? Yep. You're still, because of inflation and because of the massive interest on the debt, you're still cutting. Mm -hmm. You've got to cut programs. Right. Nobody has talked about that except, uh, who, who wrote the article the other day that we read that was, that, uh, that started talking about how interest payments are going to be so, you know, that nobody's talking about the interest payments. Mm. But even in that article, they didn't talk about the fact that, well, when you have these massive interest payments, well, even if you keep the budget the same or just go up, uh, you know, for, you know, for the rate of inflation, uh, and that doesn't happen. We always add new programs. Well, what do you do? How do you replace that extra $600, $700 billion? You have to, in, you've got to borrow it. You're not right. going to tax to get right. that in one year. You're not going to do that. No. You know, no. you you look at you look at some of the when when Republicans will complain, my god, look at the taxes. The taxes are going to be 600 billion over 10 years. That's only 60 billion a year. Well, and that's one thing you can't say, all right, we plan to uh let the inflation uh and and its impact on the interest uh and the interest rates increasing accrue over 10 years. You, when, when the interest rates go up, they go up. And so it's going to hit all at once like it does the mortgage market mm-hmm. and any other uh, situation where the interest applies. And this is something that you can't get around. You've got to make room in the budget for that interest. And the only way to do that is to borrow. You're not going to cut. I mean, you could, but it's not going to happen. No, it's not politically tenable right now to to cut. Uh, you know, you have a small number of Republicans stating that we must do that and get the budget under control. Yeah. You have, well, you, you've got, uh, uh, you know, even economists saying we have to, they say it, but they don't do anything on it. You know, it's the same thing right. like yeah. our energy grid. We We told you about the analysis of the energy grid saying, California, many Midwest, Midwest, Midwest states, they're going to run out of power. There'll be times on normal peak days during the summer or winter where uh, houses could be out for 10 hours as a normal procedure, according to the North American uh, Reliability uh, Electronic Corporation, Electric Corporation, uh, that, you know, analyzes what's going on in the grid. We all know it. We knew it before. We've known yeah, it. Right. American public. Well, we don't care. Until we don't have the power, and then we scream bloody murder. But you voted right. for the policies that got us here. Right. And it's the same thing with the budget. The American people you know, know now. They do know, and they have tied the fact that uh, government spending and debt creation causes inflation. They know it. Now, because things are so bad, they don't care. Give me the money. Give me the money. I want the money. Majority of Americans believe government should, every month, be giving people money to get through this economic time that we're in, which is exactly what got us to the problem that we have. And so, in essence, 
They may not know it, but the American public is saying, perform some magic. Could you please yeah. get rid of inflation but keep spending the money and borrowing it? Well, and I saw one uh, European leader yesterday saying uh, he will not support and nobody should accept austerity. I said, no, that's that's not exclusive to Europe. That's the sentiment here at home. You know, and I rem- you and I uh, talked about it then, and we mentioned it recently when the um, when uh, you had uh, younger generations that were protesting in France because they were going to make cuts. Mm-hmm. And, and I mean, they were they were um, setting things on fire, rioting, that kind of thing. And that's exactly where it would go. Don't you stop giving them money while the money is run out. I don't care. Yeah. Don't you stop giving me money. Well, there is that belief that government can manipulate an economy to success. I mean, right. that, that's why, look, socialism has, uh, has, has succeeded temporarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Has, has succeeded temporarily based on that same mindset, right. that same premise. That got you know, for God's sakes. I mean, you know, uh, Lauren Summers now coming out and, uh, and understanding inflation, and we laugh because mm-hmm. he also mm-hmm. believes yeah. that the way to great economic growth is to tax people and have the government control the capital, mm-hmm. which is just you know, which is ludicrous, rid- ludicrous because history. I don't care whether you, if if you don't want to get into the political realm of it, just look at history and say, does it work or does it not work? Right, and it doesn't work. Well, and and honestly, it's. Uh, the liberals have won uh, because there is, uh, with few exceptions, uh, there are few, very few people here uh, in the U.S. that are that are saying we need to be responsible. If you really got it down to the, 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 pulling the proverbial trigger on that and making cuts, I wonder how many people would still support it. Uh, it's very few right now relatively speaking and i think it would be even fewer than that when you when you walk into the neighborhoods and we go back to school lunch programs well we need to cut school lunch programs yes yes we do and then you all of a sudden go down to the neighborhoods and say okay we're gonna we're gonna cut the school lunch program in your neighborhood well no 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 not my neighborhood Or, or we can go back to 2016 republicans we're gonna do away with obamacare Completely. And finally, 2017 Republicans after they won. Well, I, yeah, we're not going to do away with uh, the, the, the the free stuff. We're just going to do away with, like, you know, the, the, the mandates man- and paying for it. How to pay for it. Right. Exactly. And and that was because the sentiment would not allow them to do right. it politically. And this is even on a much larger scale. <laughs> you expect that. Politically, anybody, Rick Scott brought it up for a minute, and that didn't work out. Um, And we knew it wasn't going to work out. That's not going to work well for anybody who's promoting austerity as right as it is, as as uh, as much as as conservatives believe it should happen politically, it won't happen. Well, it's, you know, we, we've, I think this is just a, 
uh, on a, another side of, of what we always heard. For example, that, uh, well, communism and socialism will work. It's just they did it wrong. If the right people do it, it will work. Mm-hmm. And I think the same yeah, mindset right. exists when it comes to uh, the, when it comes to socialism and government in control of of, of capital. Mm. And people believe that this is the United States of America, and we're different. And so, if uh, that we can borrow and we can do these things because our economy is a lot stronger than any other countries, right? And it is our country. Our it, the economy is. But that doesn't save you because our debt is also way bigger than most other countries, and right. and so you just and you look at the the uh, uh, GDP to debt ratio and where it is now, like some roughly around one hundred and thirty percent, and they expect it to be could be one hundred and thirty, one hundred and forty percent in the next couple of years. Well, Greece had their problems at one hundred and twenty seven percent, right? And and so you look at these numbers and you just say. This isn't sustainable. You can't do this. We've been warning. Well, we've been warning since we became talk show hosts. Yeah. You know, so for me, it's been uh, since 1989. Mm-hmm. And, you know, saying we, you know, you, you're eventually going to get to that point. Now, when I first started talking about it in 1989, I didn't know that I would still be here talking about it. <laughs> In whatever year it is now. And, yeah, exactly. In, um, <laughs> in, in 2022, I did. I just like, oh, I won't last that long in talk radio. Number one, I didn't want to be doing it. But that was really the first topic I talked about. One of the first topics was debt because that was in 89, 90 when they had the, uh, the, the clean sweep. Republicans were doing the clean yeah. sweep. Right. And everybody was carrying brooms. Yeah. That we've got to stop this spending. Right. And I remember that a whole – I didn't – our radio station didn't do it. But all these listeners were involved in it, invited me down, and we're in front of one of the congressional offices, and it was hilarious. Yeah, because you had about a hundred people there, all with brooms, <laughs> and they're sweeping the you know, the steps, and mm-hmm. you know, outside the sidewalk mm-hmm. and everything else, and mm-hmm. people holding up signs, "Clean sweep, clean sweep," mm-hmm. in order to get the debt under control. Right, and I think you t- what what you tell me was the other day like two point nine trillion at that time. Yes. Or right. something like that. It right, was, that's what it was the national so inc- debt was. Yeah, it was so, yeah. And, and it's ten, it's ten times higher now, and and so, but we have this impression that we're the United States of America, and somehow economics doesn't apply to us. Well, and when it's actually the case that because we're the biggest economy, when the foundation starts to crumble, it is going to have a compounding effect because. Everybody looks to the U.S., and when the confidence is lost in the U.S., it will it will be a spiral like we've never seen if we don't get a grip. And right now, we don't have one. Do you see us? I, I don't. See I don't. It. I don't. See I don't because I, I don't know how the political yeah. uh, how you gain the political momentum to basically get to where you were in in eighty yeah. nine. That's not going to happen in our lifetime. And you can't convince me I'm wrong on that. 866-90-RED-EYE. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carly, and I'm Gary McNamara, 86690 Red I just have a feeling that Twitter is going to be a zoo today Yeah, with the whole Elon Musk thing. I mean, the, the top story at Fox News is AOC going back and forth with Elon Musk. Yeah, you know? and some European leaders in the last hour or so have reached out to Elon Musk saying there could be future regulations there that could put sanctions on him for banning journalists. Did they react that way to Twitter when the New York Post was banned? No. No, they did not. No. But, you know, that's, that whole threat of, uh, we'll create a new law. Yeah. Um, the it, world it, is losing their mind. Yeah, it, it's, it's really amazing that when you wish to not have censorship, that's mm. now viewed as right. authoritarian. Right. Yet when you wish to censor, it depends which party wants to do. Well, it which doesn't, side, doesn't yeah. matter which side because right. Elon Musk is not on the right. Exactly. That's the thing. Elon right. Musk right. is a liberal. Yeah. I mean, this is a whole liberal circular firing squad yeah. that's going on now, which why it's interesting to sit back and, in part, in, enjoy the battle that's going on because the battle is between liberals who actually believe in journalism and free speech and liberals that do not. Yep, you're right. You're absolutely... Yeah, yeah. If James Woods is just eating popcorn right now. <laughs> <laughs> This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was a three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.